Welcome to the Joy Venture Podcast, a show where dreamers and doers share stories of discovering, developing, and spreading their joy with the world. I'm your host, Thad Devassi. We're excited to bring you this second episode with Andy J. Miller, the creative force and inspiration behind the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. second episode with Andy, Jeremy and I poke at him about the concepts of work is work and work is play, the intersection of art and business, and his ongoing transition from a full-time illustrator to pursuing what's next. We're excited to continue the conversation with Andy J. Miller. We've kind of got this set of steps, right? There's this discovery phase, and then we've got this development phase, and then uh, finally is this spreading. And so we've, we've kind of heard a lot of that from you, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point you decided to rediscover something else, right? You know, and one of the things we say is, is you should never stop discovering. Mm. So even after you've kind of think you've got it figured out, like, you should always be kind of figuring out what the next thing is. And maybe True. it's, maybe it's tangential to what you do, or maybe it's something totally crazy. Right. Mm. So, you know, at some point in time, you realized that you had from personal experience, maybe it was because people were, were people asking you for advice. At some point in time, you said, I've got something valuable to give people. And you st- started this podcast. Yeah. So uh, I realized somewhere along the way uh, that I was trying to solve a problem. Uh, and it wasn't until my friend Nick said, I was complaining to him on the phone. <laughs> and he was like, I want to help you. But I don't know what the problem is that you're trying to solve. And as a designer, you know how valuable it is to define the problem, right? And so when he said that, like, you know, light bulbs went off. And I was like, oh, I don't even know. What, why, what am I trying to do in my career? And I realized that uh, it was really simple. It was a really simple equation. I was looking for a place where what I had was in high demand, like, finding the thing that I have the most of, the biggest supply of, the most natural resource, is and find the people who need that the most. And so I think every project that I've done has been a marketing project, but it's also been kind of an experiment of playing like hot and cold with the universe of like, am I getting hotter? Is it colder? You know, so I'm always trying to get closer and closer to that Venn diagram of this natural resource that I have and trying to figure out what that is. What is the thing that I have the most of and where, what is the thing that of the things that I have that are in most in the most need. And so, um, every project's been like that. And then I think it started to come out mostly in my, my friends and family started coming to me, started taking up all my time with coffee, (laughs) you know, like, and I love it. It's my favorite thing to do is go to coffee with people one-on-one and talk and pep talk them basically. Um, but it started to become a problem in my life because, you know, I have deadlines and I was still trying to like get this career off the ground. And yet I had lots of friends, um, constantly wanting me to go to coffee and help them figure out how to light the fuse in their creative career. And 
actually, it wasn't until I saw some real results. Like I, there was a few over years where I had sat down with people, hashed something out and saw real, real results in their life and be like, they now have this business or they, they now have finished college because of a conversation that we had. And I realized there's something there that's more valuable than this illustration that I'm doing. There's something like that's way more in demand. Um, and, and, and that sweet spot's always what I'm trying to find. So anyway, um, it, the first hint of it was just in my everyday life. And then, um, I had the opportunity. I, I always start off worse than everybody else. So <laughs> listen, I think I don't need a confidence boost. Like I, I'm confident in lots of things, but one of the things that I'm sure of is that everybody has, let's say we have 10 layers. I don't have the first layer. That's the common sense layer. Whatever that is, I don't have. So anytime you give me a problem that I've never done, it will look like I'm a, a monkey trying to do it. Like every single time. Like I just, I can, I never start off well. Now I am so reflective and analytical that by step two, I have got more of a competitive edge, right? And so like um, the first couple talks I did in my career were disasters, and I'm not even not exaggerating. It was, they were, I went home and was like, I am devastated. <laughs> I have humiliated myself. I have misread the audience. I've misread my talent. I don't know what I, like, it was so, like several talks went like that. And uh, then I had an opportunity to do a talk. Uh, and this was probably 2014, right before I moved to Columbus. And, uh, and I had, it was just a, it, a lot of things came together at the same time for that talk to be similar to what I do on the podcast now. And uh, I remember doing that talk and thinking, I think this is the best thing that I do. I, I don't know anything that feels this natural resource for me and it's something people want. And I, that's, and so anyway, um, I spent from that probably June to October before I launched my podcast trying to figure out how to um, make it a project. And that's, I don't even remember what you asked. I went, <laughs> this is, um, <laughs> oh gosh. You called you call it a project, which is right. really interesting. So, yeah. um, so there's this thing called work, right. That we get paid for. Yeah. And then there's these, uh, th these concepts or side projects that sort of keep our, you know, keep our create, you know, creativity gears lubed, whatever it is, right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like something gnawing at you that you do and, and you've done that. Um, Talk about the benefit of dabbling mm. in things that aren't your main source of income mm -hmm. that actually inspire that, that maybe now have become a, a key part of what you do. Yeah, the, I would say this year the podcast really changed in a lot of ways, and that it's not as much of a side project and it's taking over my life in lots of lots of good ways um, and some bad ways. And uh, but uh, I think about this question all the time, and I think about this question of work versus play and the role of work and play and creativity and the idea of open mode versus closed mode, closed mode, open mode being where you're not being self-critical, you're in the zone, you're not analyzing what you're doing, you know, you're writing and not editing until the end. I always say that, you know, Michael Jordan could never get in the zone if he had to ref the game at the same time. And so the side projects for me were always a way of like, Getting into that play zone where you can really mess around um, because you never really are truly creative if you're not in that zone. And once you're on the clock, 
now you have to perform. Mm. Now it's not time. Now, now it's editing mode. It's closed mode. It's, it, this is, you know, it's become, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's become, uh, graded the te- you know, it's a graded test. And so, uh, you lose your opportunity to really make those discoveries. And the way I look at it, uh, I think the people that have the most impressive careers are the people that have their, uh, main gig and then they have their side gigs and they take their main gig as work and they're dead serious about it. And then their side gigs are messy, sometimes terrible. And I, one of my favorite examples is uh, Justin Vernon from Bon Iver, yeah. is that his, Bon Iver has been so perfect in my view. Obviously, everybody has different opinions of this. But in my view, he's been so intentional about every album of like, this is the statement that I want to make in this time of my life. And then in between albums, I'm going to make terrible, crappy side projects. I'm going to go produce stuff with Kanye. I'm going to do all these things that are some good, some bad, some indifferent, you know, but all of those things, I don't know if all these collaborators realize he's like, Oh, I'm taking all these really good stuff and I'm going to bring it back. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to leap miles in my next album. Um, and so, yeah, for me, that's kind of the way I've been viewing things. And actually, um, one thing I try to encourage people, especially early on, is don't try to eliminate that really crappy client work that you don't want anybody to see. Because sometimes when there's no, um, when you don't feel that critical eye, uh, you don't feel the need to be perfect. Like there, I, when I used to do like flyers for churches, like some of my style uh, come from those moments of like, let's try this weird, stupid thing that I think is just, you know, they're going to like it. I'm going to hate it. Just blah, 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 blah. And you know, Oh, I accidentally came up with something that I like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, projects are a lot about that. So the, the project side of things, you, on your website, I, I just, I'm really interested to hear your thought on this. Um, yeah. You're an artist, you're, you're, you know, creativity and it's messy and all that other stuff. But one of the things that, you know, right out of the gate, it says, you know, commercial artist. Mm-hmm. You know, some people may look at that word, you know, from an artist standpoint, go, oh, commercial. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> big X, right? Yeah, yeah. But, um, but, but, you know, can you still have that same playfulness and discovery taking a corporate gig to say, you know what, I don't think I would have sought this out, but maybe there's something to learn here. Mm-hmm. Do, do you look at projects like that? Or I'm curious how you, how you vet the those type of experiences where it says, maybe it's out of my wheelhouse, but you know what? I might learn something Mm -hmm. from people that I didn't think I'd learn anything from. Yeah. And I mean, most of my career, I haven't had the necessity of, uh, I haven't, I haven't had the, uh, the privilege of turning down big gigs, you know, like, you know, I I just, I just want to say that because I don't want to pretend like I, I have, but, um, I think, uh, this dual idea of, art and business being diametrically uh, opposed is completely inaccurate. And I think it's a really unhealthy way of viewing things. Going back to my like uh, Venn diagram equation of what I'm looking for is actually built into that, the idea of commercial art. So art is the resource I have and the commercial side is the people who want it, the demand. And so I actually think, I try to think of it as like more of a universal thing where these people are out here and that, and they're going to be like breadcrumbs helping me find the work that's in me. So rather than seeing it as, um, a compromise or trying to, um, 
you know, pander to what they're looking for or condescend them or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, trying to see them as uh, hints of what it is I have that's interesting or valuable. Um, and, 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 and seeing it more, less like a, a business exchange and more like a, a gift and a receiver. And I think so for me, that I just wanted to clear that up in terms of the commercial art thing. I love that term because I want to be a good dad who provides for his family. And so commercial to me sounds great because that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've seen artists and I, you know, I have artists in my family and in my life that um, were the real artists that were not commercial and as humans were disasters. And so commercial to me is a, is a badge of honor. And so, um, so I never, I, I don't ever go into client work um, thinking by nature, it's going to kill my creativity. Now I have learned uh, to see red flags of when like, this is not going to be a good relationship. They don't understand the value that I'm bringing to the table. Mm. And so therefore it's just from the gate they're coming to me for the wrong reasons. It's going to go into the wrong place. Um, but yeah, I think humility has gone a long way too. Back to the point that you made of um, always thinking that I have tons to learn. And I've also, I think early on in my career, there were lots of times where you're getting heavily art directed and you're like, oh, they're ruining it. And then on the other side, you're like, oh, they made it way better. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I think that especially before I had an idea of like what I wanted to say with my work, it was actually really, really helpful to have art direction. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I do think, last thing I want to say, I'm going to answer this question in five different ways. Um, but I do think that, uh, I do think that if the budget's right, and this isn't a greed thing, it's literally, um, this is one of my biggest advocacy things in terms of advocating for creatives for businesses is that you need space or you will not get a creative solution. Yeah. If you don't allow for the open mode, creativity will not happen. So what you're in, and I think you see this, um, the classic example is the 3M, you know, uh, I believe like, what is it? The, what is it? Whiteout came from 3M's, you know, day off, the engineer's yeah. days off. Post-it they, notes, I think. Oh, was it post-it notes? Yeah, yeah post-it notes. Um, yeah, like the days off where they have that space. For open mode. And so I think that's really important in terms of budget. And so if the budget is extremely thin, I can pretty much guarantee this is going to work like a factory yeah. and you're going to get a factory's results, which is going to be lacking that human zest and that human creativity. Um, so I do think money plays a big factor. That wasn't your question, but that's the way that I chose to answer it. <laughs> well, you, you answered it in a way that I actually hope you would, because okay. I, I do think that um, there, there's the business side. I kind of sit somewhere in the middle between the business side and the you know, I do, I do writing, but I I lean more to the creative side of things. I appreciate my fellow designers. We we collaborate well, but, but there is this sort of disconnect. And as, as artists and creatives and makers, you know, we, I think we have even more of the obligation to tear down that wall of understanding between the value that creativity provides. And like you said, Mm -hmm. the space Mm -hmm. in order to get the result that's truly desired. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're actually in a really interesting time. I keep saying that like, Creative people are in this exodus moment, exodus moment in the desert where they're no longer on the margins. You know, if you look at, there was this big report uh, that IBM did that said, you know, the, the quality that CEOs are looking for, uh, or, or the qualities that companies look for in CEOs is 
creativity. And it's like, we know, and then we, you know, Steve Jobs is definitely the most celebrated businessman of the past 10 years, right? And we know he was a creative and we know he was brilliant and he's celebrated as this visionary. And yet I feel like I have lots of friends in high school that were just the same personality type, but we don't have a system to recognize those people, to develop them or to utilize what they, uh, what they do. And so I don't know why I'm telling you this, but there was a reason. I don't know. Sorry. I do that sometimes, but, um, Oh, I was just talking about this in between place, um, that, uh, I think that then we know as robots take over everything, which I mean, give it enough time, like creativity is going to be the thing that humans need to be doing. It's the thing that we're going to bring value to the table by creative thought. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that middleman of being in between and trying to help businesses realize this is how creativity works. It works differently than numbers. So you're going to have to work with it differently. Um, so yeah, I think that you're exactly right. How do you how do you handle that job that someone that says, "Wow, I loved your work. It was really, I've been following you, and it's great stuff." Can you can you do what you do, but not with so much color? And yeah. and can and can you make can it you look scale more it back like a little bit? Can, yeah. you, can you scale it back? Can you make it look? This is that art direction part of people mm-hmm. that don't have no business art directing, right? Yeah, right. How do you how do you how do you help people understand about what it is you have done versus what it is that you bring to the job? And I think this is kind of what you're talking about. And how do you, how do you help a client see the value that you bring by having the space to say, look, bring me into the process, help me, help me help you yeah. in the sense of, you, you know what I'm capable of, but, but what I'm likely to create for you will not look like anything like this. It'll look different. I, yeah, I think the number one thing that you do, and this is the, I'll go to the same example every time because that's my favorite one. Uh, but the number one thing that you do is you prove it. You understand it first. You understand your value. You really deeply understand it. You develop it and then you prove it really clearly so that you can point to it so that that's the reason they come to you. So, uh, and I think that from the get go is the best way to start. And so I think the best way you're going to see this. Uh, the best case study I know of this is Goodwill Hunting. All right. So, Goodwill Hunting is Matt Damon and Ben Affleck trying to prove themselves as the lead man and, and prove themselves as writers. And, but the problem is they didn't get strategic about proving their value. And th- they said that before that they made it, they thought Ben Affleck had the best role because he has the biggest monologues. He has these like, you know, just very showy lead guy, right? What they didn't know was that they were painting the picture of their value by the types of roles they were playing. And so Matt comes out of that looking like a genius because he plays a genius and that's how we think. We think in that surface level way. And Ben comes out like the pretty boy towny guy. And then they go on to live those careers. And so in my, I don't know if this answers your question, but in my opinion, it's like the best way to get is to, is to start before that relationship ever happens and build your own projects, build your own work that make your value incredibly obvious. And the more you do that, the less likely people come to you and look for the wrong thing. Mm. Um, I think early days, early days when I was making work and I had no sense of what my value was, that's when that happened the most. Yeah. Uh, or when I was doing projects, like when I did that character project, like I said, that character project was uh, spaghetti against the wall, 
It was good in some ways. It wasn't super strategic. I was really, if, if you look at it, I was painting myself as a character designer and I'm not a character designer. And so I got a bunch of character designs jobs after that. And I failed miserably because I'm, I'm terrible at, you know, I would send over like three, like cute, funny characters that were like sad too. And, um, and then the character designers would like whip up like 80 cool, like Pokemon looking like crazy things. Um, but anyway, um, I think being really, really careful by, uh, and specific and strategic about this is knowing your value, which takes tons of time, developing it and then building things that prove it. And you're likely to catch the right types of, uh, clients. I don't, does yeah. that answer? No, that, that's helpful. Yeah. Um, one of the questions you've answered this already, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, why, you know, why the creative podcast and why should we listen to you mm, on the creative right, podcast? Yeah. And, and you, you've, you've kind of, you've talked us through that. How often do you find this to be therapeutic for yourself to remind you? Because, you know, I know, you know, Jeremy and I both are independent um, in what we do. Mm-hmm. And there are days where you've got more work than you can handle. And other days where you're like, uh, I'm looking out there and, and there's not as much, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you sort of, navigate those, those times where, you know, you're busy. Mm -hmm. Um, and and those times where I need to kind of come back and listen to my own advice. Maybe in the, in that season of drought, you come back, um, and uh, realize, you know, what I need to be doing is maybe I'm not creating those characters again, but I need to sort of mine my own creativity, Mm -hmm. um, and just keep being productive. Um, or otherwise I'm going to fall into this this moment of despair of like wondering mm. where is it coming from? Yeah. Um, and as an artist, I'm sure you, do you have those moments still? all the time? Yeah. I, yeah. I, again, like I am, uh, extremely emotional as a person. Every day is like an adventure and a, you know, a, a battle and tons of, you know, problems. Like, so every day I have, I come to the plate with that. So I always need that encouragement. I always need that fresh word. And I think, um, you know, their writers often say that they, they didn't write the book they knew they write, they wrote the book that they needed to read. And so I think for me, it's like, um, it's not always, it's usually after the fact. So it's not like I'm recording it. Like Andy needs to hear this right now. And I'm like looking in the mirror, <laughs> uh, but putting uh, it in a time capsule, <laughs> yeah. a future time yeah. capsule. Of some sort. Yeah. Uh, it's not like that, but it is like, um, it's almost always what I've just been working out. It's like, this is, um, I've ran into a problem. This idea is what got me through it. And I'm going to flesh it out so that I can kind of give that same thing to other people. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next? What's next? I, uh, a lot of things. I, you know, I think right now it's been really, uh, bizarre because I think, uh, 2014, I think every year you end up pushing a direction and then you reap the benefits of that the next year. And so like 2014, I pushed trying to get advertising illustration really hard. I spent the 2015 kind of doing that, doing advertising illustration. 2015, I thought, you know, I'd really rather be doing lots of podcast speaking, being more of a consultant, uh, to other people's hero journey, you know, being like the Yoda person on their thing rather than my own thing. Um, and so I've been 2016, I didn't realize, although there's been tons of great victories in that in 2016, it's been, uh, terrifying 
because I didn't realize that I was dramatically changing my career. <laughs> like going from being an illustrator to being like a public speaker, a podcaster, uh, a teacher, consultant. Um, it's There's been lots of really cool wins, but through it, I didn't realize how much of my identity is wrapped up in being an illustrator because I've done that for so many years. Mm. Uh, and so that's been really, really terrifying. So I'm in a weird transition mode. That's what's right now. So next is... I'm so sure that that's the right direction that I'm going to try to invest in it 10 times. So like I'm going to be doing um, th- just, you know, events and uh, I'm, I've already been teaching a class that I created from scratch and I'm going to kind of buckle down and do that kind of and grow it. So yeah, so just more of the same. And I think I've been thinking about creative pep talk less like a podcast and more like an entity that helps uh, creative people make a good living making great art and it has a lot of arms like a podcast and a class and events and all kinds of things but at the center is that why um, and so next is exploring how that manifests in different avenues cool I'm excited to see <laughs> I'm excited I'm always excited to to see you know other creatives and how that changes like mm. some and of it, does it we change, have control yeah. over right and yeah. other things you start to see a path that you start going down and it's unexpected. You didn't realize True. you were heading yeah, on that absolutely. path. And all of a sudden you realize, I actually really like this path. And I yes. would have, you know, and, and, a, and it, I think a lot of it's a sign of growth. Mm. You know, two years ago, you could have never seen yourself going down that path. No way. Yeah. But something changed and incrementally you've changed and realized that there's a value to it and you start doing it and you find out surprisingly that you really love it. Mm-hmm. And I think our nature is like to be one way or the other, either to be someone who makes waves or someone who rides waves, someone who's like go with the flow or someone's I make stuff happen. And I think, uh, uh, that the, I think that the wisdom is the collaboration with life of mm-hmm. like, sometimes you're making it happen and sometimes something happens you didn't know and you keep doing all that. Um, but I will say one last thing I want to say is that you caught me on one of those weird uh, valleys where I haven't talked to creative people for several weeks. And so that's why I'm like, because I, you know, like I've been at my desk working and yeah, family time and stuff like that. So I just realized I'm like, families. I know. Golly. They've they had just, enough of the, the. They're like leeches. Yeah. They just want your time. Uh, What's wrong with your time? Them? I know. Why do they want your kids? Want your time? Kids, it's ridiculous, man. Um. <laughs> None of us can relate. You need to, that. to think. Why am I such a bad person? I, no, I'm drawing. What? Put the pencil down, Andy. But you know what's exciting? How old are your kids? Eight. I, I'm really bad at numbers, but eight, eight and younger. Four and one. Okay. Yeah. So. So we have, I have a high schooler now Mm -hmm. and it's been really cool seeing him start to develop in cool ways. Mm. He's been homeschooled up until now and this is his first year in like real school, like we call it, Yeah, right? And he's killing it. I mean, academically he's killing it, but even more than that, he's finding a new community that's been really great. And it's this overlap of music and art and theater and Mm. starting to find it's the same group of kids I hung out with mm. when I was in high school, mm. right? It's awesome. And so what I'm finding is, especially as my kids start to get older, and especially as we spend time going to their events and encouraging them, and, you know, we're all dads here. Mm. We understand the value. You know, we joke about it. But but honestly, 
you know, it's in a big reason why we do what we do. True. And, right. um, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we could, we could make a whole lot more money if we ignored our families. True. Yeah. You know, absolutely. But when you, but the, the payoff from a, just from a, you know, what, what guys see as being valuable, we start to see our kids start to, oh my gosh, we're, we're starting to see them develop as, mm. you know, a future designer or a future, you know, whatever decorator, mm. mathematician, whatever yeah. they happen to become is pouring ourselves into them and watching them develop. That's, that's been really, really cool. Mm. So, you know, as you speak to other designers and other creatives and, and pour themselves, it's so fun as a dad to pour mm. the same stuff into mm. our kids and True. see what happens from them. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's been really cool to see my eight year old who's becoming more, uh, you know, conscious really and aware of things, uh, her processing what I do and, and, and our similarities and the things that she sees herself in me. And then in our differences, it's been really, that is like an interesting payoff of like, you know, just like even just that pure DNA payoff. Like I invested this DNA and this is, <laughs> this is it coming to fruition. It's really weird and cool, but yeah. I, I want to ask kind of a, it's a future forward question, but, but you mentioned earlier, you're pretty analytical and mm -hmm. self-reflective and emotional. I've, I'm kind of fit that same boat. Yeah. You've done a, a pretty amazing job in a really short period of time of growing an audience of 50, what, 50,000 listeners a month or something. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's, I mean, wow. so you have this audience, right? Of, mm. A lot of people that like want to hear. It's really from less than that. That's, that is how many listens we get a month, yeah. but it's really like 10,000 an episode. Yeah. So I don't know how many people actually listen to it. Yeah. I always just want to make sure that I'm setting the stage correctly. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so good, good point. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's actually where we come down to is this idea think, of yes. analytics, right? I think we it's actually like a hundred thousand people that listen to half an episode. <laughs> Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. yeah you're, you're not giving yourself enough credit for the 100,000 listeners you have. <sighs> but, but I think my point is we can look at these numbers and say, but you also have an audience of three, mm -hmm, right? True. And your kids. Mm -hmm. How, what, talk real briefly about, you know, as a, as a creative person who, you know, we, we can get ourselves lost in the metrics and say, these people need me. They need more of Andy mm -hmm. J pizza out here talking about this stuff. And I mean, I need to be doing more and more and yeah. more. And, and so, and that also can rob us of our creativity because mm -hmm. we feel now mm -hmm. we have a an obligation to these people who said, I love what you're doing. Yeah. But do you still love what you're doing mm -hmm. two years from now? Or whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And hopefully, you know, for your sake, that this blows up even bigger and you, and you really find, you know, the next iterations, there are more to it. Are you, Do you think about those sort of terms? I, I think Jeremy and I are a little further down the parent line and we see kids getting ready in the very not so distant future, leaving the house. And, mm -hmm. we're, and we're kind of thinking, at least I find myself going, I've got limited time and I've got, mm. maybe I don't need as much of the pat on the back and all these other things as I need to be spending my time doing something differently. Mm -hmm. Are you, what? I, I follow you, but I don't know. <laughs> what's, what's your question? You know, the, the idea of, because I could go a billion ways. But I just want to make sure I go the there right way. There was a question way. in there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there was a question, question there. It's like, um, and, and I don't want to freak out your audience yeah. either that are listening to say, oh, Andy's going away. He's not doing right. the podcast. That's not it at all. But at yeah. some point, as you know, you said at the very beginning of this podcast, create, your need for creativity and attention to something else is, 
is is to sort of cure boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, if and when this ever starts to feel boring, rote, right? Mm-hmm. And you're doing the same thing over mm-hmm. and over. Can't can will you change to say I got to mix it up? Yeah, whatever that looks like. Absolutely. Yeah, I have no way of not doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and I just want to speak to one. I don't know if that was a really simple answer, but yeah, I definitely will. I think that, uh, I would, I think it's going to last longer than lots of other things because I feel like I've hit that sweet spot more than any other endeavor that I've done. Mm-hmm. And I feel, and I don't feel it. it has yet to, uh, my, my passion has yet to dwindle by any amount, which I've never seen that happen. So I don't know how long it could go. But it's it's going, and then the other thing I just wanted to speak to in terms of like balancing that that family energy and and the time and all that stuff. Um, this is to- this is almost left field. Sorry, but I just wanted to say that I always look for. Um, I think that they just go hand in hand because I think that's one thing that I'm always looking for win win. It's a good way of like I know that all that time with my family. Uh, pre fills uh goes into the podcast and all the podcast stuff goes into my family if I yeah. keep the right balance. Um, I don't know. I felt like that there was a part of your question that was about that. Makes that a lot but, of sense. Yeah. No, I, I what you're hitting on, and, and I think you did a better job of explaining than my question. Sort of edit out. You you're an illustrator. Mm-hmm. You found a passion mm-hmm. in which you're just expressing who you are in a different way mm-hmm. I, before, before we started talking, I thought how ironic that Andy does. Andy's an illustrator and he chooses to do this in a, in a forum on a podcast where I can't see what he's, you know, I, know, I, I can't yeah, see true. him. It's, it's all, yeah, yeah. it's all, you know, audio for me. And it's like, well, sure you could have done this on a, you could have been a YouTube guy and, mm-hmm. sh- and, and been sketching, but it's not, mm-hmm. you found another way to express your creativity. Mm-hmm. And in particular, the thing that you love to actually encourage others to do what they love. Do you know, uh, Simon Sinek? Yeah. Okay, so I think he articulated that best. And uh, I think it even goes back really to, I think what he's talking about is really like vision. It's the same kind of thing, the why and the vision. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, uh, drilling down deep into that over a long period of time, like five or six years of trying to figure out what what is the core resource here that's not, like illustration is the what. Podcast is the what. It's the mask on top of what is the thing. And I feel like, my thing, if I'm parenting or um, if, I'm, if I'm making illustration or if I'm writing a kid's book or whatever, it's always – I've found that I do the same thing over and over and over. And it's really simple. And it's that I, I think that the most important things in the world are abstract. And I think in order for us to interact with them, they need to become formal. They need to become less abstract. And so I always say – in illustration, I draw invisible things. And, and in the podcasting world, marketing, business, uh, all these concepts of developing your creativity, they're big abstract theories. And in that same way, that's why I do illustrations and analogies all the time is because I'm giving form to a really, really formless thing. And I found that like that is the thing that gets me excited more than anything. And so it's just funny that you said that the podcast is me expressing myself, in, my same self, that same core in a different way than illustration. And that's one of the things that I feel like I found some peace in the fact that I realize I don't even care. So if podcasting dies in a year or two years or whatever, it doesn't even matter to me because I'm not romantic about that. I'm, I'm romantic about the resource that I have. I feel yeah. like I'm good at 
seeing that, this is the way I always articulate it, seeing that large theory, which is like a body of stars that just is completely amorphous and abstract and drawing constellations between them. And like, see, okay, you can navigate it now because we made forms out of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I, I think it's cool that it's just cool to hear that you recognize that. Thanks to Andy for sharing details of his creative life with us over these last two podcasts. And we wish nothing but the best for him with a creative pep talk and wherever his creative spirit may lead him next. To hear more podcasts or read our posts that are meant to nudge the dreamer in all of us to become the doer we were all meant to be, visit us at joyventure.net. And if you're discovering or developing your joy, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, remember, never stop discovering. Thanks for listening.